welcome to Risk and Reward, where the best of the insurance industry come to motivate and educate the future leaders in insurance. I'm Claire Richardson, a senior studying risk management insurance at the wonderful Butler University, where I am also the president of the Beta Lambda chapter of Gamma Iota Sigma. Today, I'm lucky enough to welcome Roxanne Wilson, the 2020 RIMS Risk Manager of the Year. Roxanne is the Vice President of Risk Management at Cardinal Health, a worldwide healthcare services and products company, which provides solutions for hospitals, pharmacies, clinical laboratories, and physician offices. Thank you for joining us today, Roxanne. Thank you for having me. Would you be able to start us off by telling a little bit about how you got into the insurance industry? Sure. So, um, like many people that have been into the insurance industry, it was not, you know, what I always dreamed about when I was a little kid. I didn't dress up as an insurance agent for Halloween or anything like that. But once I got into it, I really found that I enjoyed it. So I majored in economics and politics with a concentration in management um, in undergrad. And I guess I kind of always thought I'd go to law school. And when you think about insurance, a lot of it is legal in nature, right? You're dealing with claims, you're dealing with um, contracts, you're dealing with a bunch of, of things around that area. Um, and so my first kind of real job was with Aon um, Risk Services. So, and when I got into it, I was surprised at how diverse the insurance industry was and how much it appealed to many of the things that I like. I always loved numbers and math and finance, and it had a lot of those aspects as well as a lot of the legal aspects. I also enjoyed that I got to see a lot of different industries. So where sometimes you get into, you know, a specific industry area like financial institutions, right? And you're always in that, that space. Well, this was a financial institution, but I got exposed to everything from heavy equipment manufacturing to agriculture to, you know, bananas, uh, you know, and everything. <laughs> really amazing from that perspective and uh, really enjoyed it. Um, and then when I transferred over to the risk management side, I got exposed to many aspects of operations and supply chain and budgets and finance and um, legal. And it's just really, there's always something to learn in it. It's something I really have, have liked about the insurance industry overall. Very nice. Hearing a little bit more about all of the different titles you've had would be great. And kind of what the experiences and the, and the touch points in different industries that you have expressed thus far. Um, we'd love to understand a little bit more about how that helped you succeed at Cardinal Health. Sure. So um, as I mentioned, I started at Aon and was really exposed to a wide variety of industries and got to see how insurance really worked to help enable business, right? And, and how those deals were put together and how you negotiate, which is a very key skill that everyone should have, um, whether you're in this industry or not. And from there, I, you know, worked on a lot of different clients. And one of my clients said, we like what you do and we have an opening and we'd like to see you come over to the risk management side. So I went from working on a lot of different industries to working in one specific, which had its advantages as well. So I got to deep dive into a specific industry and really understand it from the inside out. Um, and that was, was great. I think that with each role, I've tried to take on different things and get different exposures. So, you know, I was handling a lot of claims. I was dealing a lot with consumers because um, it was a consumer products company, which is a little bit different from the other industries that I had worked in. Um, I really got to understand how you do a budget and how you use insurance allocations to try and drive behaviors and safety and business and really got to partner with the safety organization and the operations organization to 
really see how all the inner inner workings were. And then I went to um, Cardinal for the first time, <laughs> um, where I was responsible for a very large property and asset protection program, as well as the international. So really expanding in that area. And what I learned was that those two companies were very different culturally. And I think at, as a young professional, I didn't quite understand how much influence that that had on your ability to be effective in your role as a risk manager, right? Really understanding how decisions get made, how you need to influence within organizations and how that can greatly impact how successful you are or not. So it comes down less to sometimes your technical expertise. It's your ability to understand and put it in terms that are relatable to your business partners and ability to influence when you don't always have you know, direct authority. And so I really understood those as being more key skills that you need to build out and develop as you progress in your career. Um, and so that was definitely something I took, seeing those different cultures and different ways decisions were made over that time. Some of the other things I kind of took along the way are what it means to be a good leader and what it means to, to not, and kind of picking up things that I wanted to do when I'm you know, when I'm someone's boss, do I want to be treated like that? Or do I want to be treated like this? And really kind of picking up those little leadership and management management tricks along the way on how to motivate people and how your motivations don't always align with theirs. Um, and so you really need to meet them where they are and make sure that you're incentivizing everyone and recognizing and rewarding people in ways in which they want to be recognized and rewarded. And it's not always the same for everyone. So I think really developing a more global mindset has been the main thing that I've taken from position to position along the way. Very nice. Hearing about the adaptability that you've learned throughout the couple of years that you were mentioning has been great. And I just was wondering how your viewpoints on culture and understanding how important it is to be that great leader and understanding what it means to be completely not the right leader. Um, how do you support your team? And then how do you collectively support your organization? Sure. So in supporting my team, I, I view my job is to make sure that they have what they need to do theirs and hire smart people and then get out of their way, um, right? Be there to support them and it's kind of like your family is how kind of I view my team, right? You can, can fight amongst yourselves, but when anyone else kind of says something bad, you're, you know, you, you close ranks a little bit and, and you defend your team. And I think a team that that's appreciated, right? Um, but at the same time, you want to give them opportunities to grow and opportunities to develop. Um, one of the first things that I think I grew as a leader was I had a young person. She was straight out of school. And she'd come in and ask me questions and I would just give her the answers, right? Well, I thought I was helping her. Well, what I was doing was not allowing her to grow. And so, you know, I kind of got that, that sense along the way, like she's still kind of asking me these same questions and why isn't she kind of figuring out how to do these on her own? And so I, I talked to a few mentors on, on this issue and they had some guidance on it. It's like, well, you need to let them think through it themselves and you don't give them the answer. You guide them to coming to the answer on their own. And so I changed when she would come in after that and ask a question and I'd be like, okay, well, 
how do you think we should approach it? Or what do you think about this? And so really kind of providing that ability for the person to grow, I think is a key leader attribute. And I think that is where, you know, I kind of took a step forward as, you know, moving from being a manager to being a leader and and doing so. Very, very, very nice. So additionally, from from your role as being the RIMS Risk Manager of the Year for 2020, how important has your membership and involvement with RIMS been to your professional career? Sure. So I think RIMS is a terrific way to kind of spread knowledge and best practices and increase the influence and professionalism of the industry overall. So when I was first starting out, I would go to RIMS um, conference and attend different sessions and I'd really get to hear from very seasoned people and advance my learning without having to go through all the pain of it to some degree because you're learning from their their experiences, right? And um, I think that that helps mature you quickly as a risk professional. I think that you learn about areas that where you may not be exposed because of the type of company you're working for, the type of industry you're in. So you get exposures to other things. And then the sharing of best practices. You know, a lot of what we do is not rocket science, right? Why do we need to reinvent the wheel every time we try and do something? There's people that have done it and have done it well over time. And we need to leverage that. And by being part of an organization such as RIMS, that's really, I think, one of the biggest benefits of it is that sharing of knowledge and expertise. And it's really amazing to me that you have so many people willing to share that um they're not you know holding it tight like their little precious uh (laughs) you know thing that they're saying no we want the entire industry to grow and get better and so we're willing to share that um knowledge and expertise um the other thing i think rims does a great job of is bringing young people into the industry i mean i remember when i first came in it was there was like a huge age gap um and I was like, okay, well, it doesn't seem like it's attracting a lot of young people. Why not? This industry is so dynamic and interesting. It should be like on the list of things that people want to do when they grow up. <laughs> and so I think that RENS has done a great job of trying to attract and bring um, young people into the industry because you need that to get fresh ideas and to continue to grow and get better. Absolutely. So going back to that wealth of knowledge and kind of understanding more about the industry from your peers, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about some risks that are unique to the healthcare industry that either you've kind of come across in in your career or um, from others and some maybe alternative risk financing mechanisms that you use to handle these risks? Sure. So some of the things, um, healthcare is very dynamic and you don't always think about all of the things that companies are facing, right, at the time. So the healthcare industry, like if you think about large pharmaceuticals and large medical devices as, a, as an industry group, right, um, the insurance industry in some cases is unable to provide something that's substantial and meaningful to them. So they're unable to provide product liability insurance or even property insurance in an amount that is meaningful for these, you know, $100 billion organization. And you think of the insurance industry and we're talking in you know, five and $10 million increments, it, it's, uh, it, it sometimes isn't relevant. And so when you look at that and you look at um, a lot of large pharmaceutical and medical device companies in particular form captives, 
And so that's really a way of using their own balance sheet to protect themselves and funding for it over time, right? So they become essentially their own insurance company. Other ways and other risks that are sort of unique um, at Cardinal we have in nuclear pharmacy business. Um, and so when you think about that, you're like, wait, what? What does that do? And so um, a lot of the imaging that goes on in hospitals has um, a radioactive component to it. Um, and so there's very short half-lives. It's not something that, you know, but it's regulated by a lot of different industries. And so I learned a lot more about that because anytime you hear nuclear, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> Um, but it, it's really very interesting and in how it can be used in both di diagnosing and in treating certain types of, of disease states is, is very interesting. So I, I think those are some, some unique risks. And then the supply chain, as we're seeing through COVID, the supply chain for healthcare and healthcare products is, is, can be fragile. Um, and so the supply chain has really stepped up during this time of crisis and delivered where it needed to. Yes, it, you know, it took a little while to ramp up, but I think it did so pretty quickly to go from where we were to, to where we are now um, in terms of supplying all of the products that are needed to respond to this global pandemic. So it's been really amazing and very proud to be in such an industry and watch it through. Yes, it's definitely been a labor of love, I can imagine. <laughs> but I'm happy that you're finally seeing some awesome results and coming to fruition with the different projects. I have heard that you are definitely passionate about the role of mentorship in young professionals. Do you have any tips or tricks for young people that are looking for a good mentor? Sure. I would say to observe people around you, and they don't necessarily have to be in your same area, but people that have skills that you aspire to. So whether that is someone you heard present who did a really great job of presenting, you know, something at a different level, right? So you may be very good at presenting to other technical experts, but you're not very, you know, adept yet or skilled yet at presenting to senior leaders. So watch someone that is really good at presenting to senior leaders and, and seek them out. Um, try and find a mentor that has skills that are complementary, not the exact same as yourself. So if they are very, if you're very strong at analytics, you may not want a mentor who is also very strong at analytics. You want someone that's bringing something different than what you are bringing to the table. And I would say, you know, be open to feedback. Um, a lot of people say they want feedback, but they, they actually, you know, want to hear like an echo chamber. Um, right, right. You want to have someone who is going to give it to you straight because the only way you grow is by getting that straight and direct feedback. So you want someone, you aspire to have certain aspects or skills that they, they possess. And you want someone that is going to be honest and truthful and provide a transparent information flow um, to you. Absolutely. So some of the things that you're talking about in a great mentor, I envision in a really good risk or insurance professional. So I didn't know if there were some other attributes that you were thinking could fit into a good risk management and insurance professional that were not necessarily in the mentor um, or vice versa. Sure. So I think one of the things that risk managers sometimes get bogged down with is not understanding how important it is to have very strong business and financial acumen and being able to translate risk and insurance concepts and acronyms into 
finance and um, operations <laughs> acronyms and everyone seems to have their own language and being adept at changing between those and explaining it in terms that, that meet them where they are and that they will understand. I think that's something that is that all risk, good risk managers should aspire to, to be. And so that's why I like when you get a mentor that maybe is in operations and they can help you bridge that gap and make your, you know, your pitch better, right? Because you're in risk management, you're actually always selling. <laughs> you're trying to get people to do stuff to embrace safety and to embrace loss prevention. And, um, you know, so you're always kind of selling to, to folks in, in some way or another. The other thing I would say is be intellectually curious. I think that all risk managers ask why. Well, why do we do it that way? And why did we stop doing that? Or why did we start doing this? And find out how the business actually operates. Because in order to properly identify and mitigate or manage risk, you really need to understand it, understand the operations, and understand how, where and how your company makes money. And what could potentially impact that or, or run afoul of it? And so really getting into those details and, like I said, being intellectually curious is, I think, where risk managers really take it from, you know, a B risk manager to an A risk manager. Yeah, absolutely. So one final question for us today. You've told us about what to do to be a great risk management and insurance professional. However, I would love to showcase to our listeners how to get there. So are there some steps or advice for risk managers that are maybe still in school that really are looking for some, some extra challenges to kind of get to the level where they are uh, very competent when they get into their first years of their career? Sure. I would say definitely embrace internships where you can, you know, one of the young professionals I've mentored over time, she, during her college years, worked for her local state farm insurance agent. And, you know, while it's different um, in a lot of ways, there were certain aspects that, that she brought to the table and that she already knew some of the terminology, for example. And so that, I think, helped her get there faster, right? Um, I think definitely when you first in your first job, get a credential. So whether that's your ARM or your CPCU or your AIC, you want to try and get some of that because it will continue to advance your learning. Ask questions and I think never take a job where you've already done everything that's listed on the job description um, because you won't continue to grow and learn at the rate that you potentially can. Um, so those are some of the things that I, I think about when I think about kind of navigating your career. Talk to people and look at what are the requirements for the jobs that you aspire to be. Do you need to get an MBA? Do you need a law degree? Do you need your ARM or your AIC? Like what are those things and experiences? And don't forget about the soft skills as well. So, you know, if you can't afford to go back to school right now, can you do Toastmasters, for example, which will help you speak, you know, on the fly more effectively. What are those other things you can do to, to continue to develop that? I would also say early in your career, if you can do an international assignment. So, okay. you know, insurance industry and risk industry is a global um, industry. So if you can go to Bermuda or go to London or to, to Singapore or wherever it is, try and get one of those early in your career because I think it will help 
continue to drive that global mindset that you really need to be an effective insurance and risk professional. Absolutely. And those uh, locations are not that awful on the eyes either. Yes. Um, <laughs> they do become more difficult at different times in your life and career. Absolutely. Gotcha. Well, I wanted to thank you again for giving your time and expertise, Roxanne. Thank you so much, Claire. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you today. Thank you. It's been amazing to hear more about the things that you've learned thus far in your career and your advice for young insurance professionals and how to become leaders. Keep a lookout for additional content from Risk and Reward premiering soon. We will announce new episodes through our Instagram at GIS Butler, Butler's Gamma Iota Sigma LinkedIn page, and on your podcatchers. Always continue discovering new interests, and we will see you soon. <laughs>